everyone thank you so much for bearing with me through a little bit of a later post on this sweet monday i'm excited about this episode i always feel like i say this but it feels like a different episode it feels like it has a weird undertone and that's just because i feel like i'm operating from a place of such difference like my life is different my spirit feels different i have this like huge weary burden of just loneliness on my shoulders and I feel like I almost need to hear these words more than you need to hear them. (laughs) So I wrote this in the middle of the night. I've had horrible trouble sleeping. I don't know if y'all are. I don't know if you are too. If you are, can you please just like join me in prayer that we both can get some sleep? I just am not sleeping. I am full of thoughts at like the horrible witching hour of 3 a.m. And Sometimes I just toss and turn and sometimes I pull out my phone and I just waste my life away on Instagram or something that is not life-giving. But then the third option is sometimes I do something with it. My brain goes to something, it's full of something. And my mom always told me, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, you're supposed to be praying for someone. And I kind of feel like I need prayer right now, but also my heart is so heavy with all that's going on in the world and all the things that women are going through across the world. I know everybody in Ukraine and all the things, but I just specifically feel like my heart is heavy for those moms. I don't know what it would be like to be a mom over there right now. I am struggling with being in my comfortable home in a new city in America. So you have to believe that those moms over there are 15 times more anxious than me, and I feel really anxious. But with that said, I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote this whole episode. I just wrote so many words. In fact, when I went back to look at my notes for this episode, I was like, what is that word? What was I thinking? But also on the flip side, it was so weirdly easy to follow. My notes felt like they actually had this weirdly cool flow, which makes me hope and believe that it is only from the Lord. So I'm going to say these words are not my own. I am thankful for these words and I actually need to listen to these words so much. I'm literally going to try to listen to this episode like I am a listener like y'all because This is what I'm dealing with right now. I also will say it's very funny, the title. Don't pick up your blueberries alone. It's a very funny title in the sense that you obviously don't understand what the topic is about from just reading that title, but I do talk about it in the episode, so look for that little nugget. And I will also say that I am not like a science person. Science is my least favorite subject in school, but I believe there's a thing called a pungent square. No one quote me, someone fact check me, but I believe it's where this idea where you have lots of options. When you're presented with the choice to do something, you can kind of work it into a pungent square. And really it's like, okay, let's list out my options and list out what the pros and cons are of each option. So in this episode, I talk about staying silent and why staying silent is like the death to your soul. I feel like when I think about this pungent square idea or like the options that you have, I think about that you can stay silent and you can suffer in your isolation. That's an option. You can speak up and people will reject you. Of course, that's the option. I believe both of those options suck and also are not what you should choose. But I believe and what I talk about today in this episode is that the option that we should all seek to take is speaking up because then your load gets lightened, you're broken of the those bonds of shame and those bonds of sadness. And guess what? You start your journey towards like leaving that horrible time, that horrible thing, that horrible person behind you. And I, I don't really know how that looks in reality for me as I live in Seattle because I am here. This is presently where I live, but I'm, I'm gonna try to listen to this episode today and just have open ears to even my own words, which is weird to say. 
but I hope you get some nuggets from it. I can't wait to hear what your feedback is. Hope y'all having a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Okay, so today I am just going to jump right into it because I feel like I have so many thoughts about it. You obviously saw the title of the episode, Don't Stay Silent, and I wonder if you are confused about what that means. I know that there are so many experiences and so many times in my life where I have stayed silent. And I will say I haven't had like horribly, well, some things have really sucked, but I feel like I just know that one of the tactics that Satan pulls on me and the lies that I tell myself is to be quiet. Don't speak up. And here's the thing. Satan wants you to stay silent. He doesn't want you to speak up. He doesn't want you to have help because when you engage with others, you have help. People come alongside of you. It makes me think, and it maybe brings me to the big question of today, but so have you ever stayed silent and regretted it? So that's my big question for you. It's how I'm going to kind of address today's episode because there's been times when I stayed silent and I totally regretted it. And I know when asking this, there's like a wide array of responses here. So you could range from an easy like, yes, like I'm in a mom's Bible study and I sat silently the whole time because of social anxiety, which I've actually done. I will say not typically, I'm definitely the person that talks a little too much, but I have had times where I sat there and I regretted it. And then you also could be the person that regrets your silence because someone like deeply hurt you and you're silently dealing with it and it's eating you inside. Let's come to terms with the fact that one of Satan's biggest tools is fluffing up the lie that your voice is not worthy, that ultimately you're not worthy. Point blank is that you are so many more things than your worst day. Does that make sense? We allow our worst moments to designate what we think of ourselves. Okay, so I know this doesn't fully cover it, but it makes me think of one day long ago, feels long ago, but when I was working, I had a really bad day. I messed up. It was actually just my fault and I dropped the ball and I was talking to my dad about it and I felt so stupid and I felt like it affected the whole company and everybody thought about it and everyone hated me. And my dad reminded me that, Anna, you've done a hundred good things to this one bad thing. And that's not what people are going to know you for. Now, I will say that really, I did a really good job at my job and I didn't mess up that much. So it was easy to fall back on, no, that truth that actually people think of me as a good worker and they trust me and they're not going to think about this day, although I might remember it, they won't. But let me be clear, you might be listening to this right now. I know I have other situations in my life where I've gone off the deep end. I've gone really far into the badlands. Maybe you're just like so engrossed with guilt about what you've done or the choices you've made and you're just so full of regret and maybe you worry about things you can't change or me, I'm currently working through not romanticizing every other part of my past and suffering in my present. And when people aren't their best self, when they're not full of confidence, they operate differently. I really feel like this is so true. Like, I don't know if it's fight or flight or if it's driven by anxiety or you're unsure of where your place or your purpose is, but when you're uncomfortable, me and you, you, me, we do strange things. We just are unlike who we are. I know that when I'm uncomfortable, I say odd things. I maybe even like say the one thing I shouldn't be saying, but I know that when I'm uncomfortable, I grasp for attention. So typically I don't kind of wallow. I wallow in other situations, but when I'm uncomfortable, I grasp for attention. It's very strange because you would think if you're uncomfortable, you'd want to like turn into a shell. But when I do that, I watch myself be so desperate to fit in with a group that 
like I said, I either will say the weirdest things or I'll take control of the room. And I just feel like that's typically my issue. But also there's been times when I've shut down and I just don't act like myself either. And it's because I don't have adequate footing. Now, taking this back to this lie, this idea where being silent and not talking about it is what Satan wants us to do. Let's take it to the other side. So what what does Jesus want us to do? What I've come to terms with is the fact that my identity is in Christ. So you are who you are, even if your surroundings change. So for me, moving, adding a child, adding different things that are hard or good about me, it doesn't change who I am. You know, life would be really easy if there wasn't changes because you would just figure it out and there would be no different variables, right? So I recently, recently in the past like maybe six months, took up tennis. That was one of my big goals of last year. And I'm not good. I will say this. I'm not good. I am definitely competitive and I definitely want to win, but I'm not good at it. And the pro that I was working with the other day told me about this study that the Olympic Committee did. They were trying to figure out what was the hardest sport to go from zero, like go from not knowing at all to being a pro level, being in the Olympics. And out of all the sports that they surveyed, and I think it was over like 30 years, they found out that tennis is one of the most difficult sports to learn. And that's because everything changes around you. So in other sports where, like in golf, the ball, of course you have variables, but the ball is sitting there not moving. So you hit the ball. So you have time to think about your shot. You approach your shot. Now, my husband would say, obviously, there's a lot of things with golf, and I can't even begin to talk about that. But the ball isn't moving. You, of course, have other factors, but with tennis, the ball's moving, you're moving, you could be tired, your opponent could do different things, your opponent is changing their game to be better against you. Now, I kind of see where they're coming from. There might be other sports I maybe would think would be a little harder than tennis, just being fair, and if you're out there screaming at your phone or whatever you're listening to on this, there's a lot of tough sports out there. The point is, is that what's difficult is when the world around you changes and you're called to figure out what you're supposed to do with those changes. So if your identity's in Christ and that identity doesn't change, but the whole world around you changes, what are you supposed to do with that? And the best thing that Christopher and I do is we talk about it and we talk about what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond to this situation? And the best thing you can do is call it out in that time and be like, this is what's going on. What do we do? It reminds me of long ago. Now, you might have your idea about short-term missions. I definitely have changed my view on it over the years, I will say, and I don't even need to get into that. But for the sake of the story, let's just jump straight in to the fact that about, hmm, Would it have been like 10 years ago? Maybe it was more like five years ago. Let's call it five years ago. I uh, got the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Haiti. It was actually a really cool opportunity because it was with my parents. So the fact that I got to serve in missions along my parents was just a cool thing. And in fact, I got to serve along my parents and also my parents' best friends who are like my aunts and uncles. And so it was just a really cool opportunity. And what I loved was that the company I was working for really honored that and thought it was a great thing to do. And that week was just such a refreshing week for so many reasons. And I'm getting on my soapbox. There's so many things I could talk about for that week and the purpose of short-term missions and why we kind of get it wrong a lot. Anyway, but so we went to Haiti and I had never experienced anything like this. I have lived a very sheltered life. I have lived a very easy life. And so to see the way these people were living was so eye-opening to me. Even as a 20-something-year-old, y'all, I was so 
unaware that there are people around the world that are living in absolute poverty to this level. Of course, I knew about it. I'm not trying to act like I didn't know anything about this, but to see it with your eyes is something different. And I was so changed after that week, and I still think about that week and how I approach sadness and conflict and struggles in my life. Um, I really think all the time about like, oh my gosh, it's nothing compared to that, which I know everybody has their own struggles and everybody has their own lane. The point of my story here is that, so in Haiti, one of the primary focuses, religion, whatever you want to call it, is voodoo. And I know absolutely nothing about voodoo. Do not quote me here. But one thing I did see that week was there's a lot of like ritual when it comes to voodoo and a lot of superstition and a lot of practices, maybe similar to any other religion. I mean, it's just truly a wild thing and it's not anything I believe in. And although I was very uneducated, I did know that there was a lot of ceremonies that are involved in voodoo. And one night I was staying at this one orphanage and I was laying next to a couple different people I was serving alongside. And um, we slept with the windows open, which makes me laugh because I'm like, I wonder if I even thought about like Zika or like bugs or anything like that. Like, I just feel like it wasn't the Anna that you're here today who like would barely camp, would only glamp and definitely needs like a plug to plug her phone. Anyway, so we slept with the windows open and I will never forget that night. I woke up so abruptly to hear beating drums and wailing and gunshots and I was scared. I mean, anybody would be scared. But on top of that, I felt this like heavy darkness and fear and uncertainty. And it felt just like something that was debilitating. Like I laid there and I thought, I can't move. I can't speak. I can't do anything. So I I was quiet. And my, my Aunt Sherry, one of my mom's best friends, was laying one or two beds down. And I could have easily gone over and asked her like, hey, are you awake? Like, hey, I'm feeling nervous but I didn't and I didn't want to wake up anybody or disrupt anybody and I worried about their sleep even though I was going through this really scary experience. I felt like I was going through this really scary experience by myself and the next morning when I got up I mentioned to Aunt Sherry, hey did you hear those things and she said oh my gosh yes I laid awake listening to the whole thing and asked the other people in the room and everybody was awake. I don't think a single person was laying there asleep and we're in a room of like 10 people. And it just revealed to me that like God wants us to speak up. Satan wants us to stay quiet. He doesn't want us to be in community with other Christians. He wants us to stay quiet. So how do we combat like the fear and uncertainty, how I felt in that time? We have to be transparent and open. That's the only thing if I'm ever in that situation, I would know to do. So going off of that story, anybody that knows me, if you've listened to this podcast for any time, you know that you can probably assume I'm a social person. I like people. Actually, I'm the person that when I'm crying, I'm not going to retreat. I kind of like want people to know I'm crying. It helps give me comfort. Christopher would always say, Anna, you always present me your tears. So like if I'm sad about something, I'm never going to like lay there crying. Like I'm going to turn over and make sure I'm facing him. And he'll be like, are you crying? And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. So it is not typical Anna. It's not acting normal to Anna when I shut down. But when I'm desperate and I'm lonely, sometimes I shut down. In New Hampshire, I had to combat this almost every day for a period of time and I had to put my foot on the gas and I don't know if that's clear like I don't know if everybody uses that term put their foot on the gas but it's the only way I know how to combat loneliness 
because it's easy to make an excuse for why you don't need to do that certain thing. So I had to put myself out there. I had to put my phone on the gas. I had to say yes to everything. And I learned a lot about putting myself out there and being unapologetically myself. My close group of friends that I sadly left in New Hampshire, they were not cookie cutter versions of me. They were full of different passions and personalities. They carried themselves differently. But I hold these people so close to my heart And it has been the sweetest thing to see how different facets of Anna comes out because of the different people that I place in my life. And you know, a core tenet of MNOF, of Every Mom Needs a Friend, is that moms are lonely and they can be surrounded by so many little people, but people, and still feel completely isolated. So I think about most of my issues with loneliness. It's not technically because I'm just a person who never gets outside of my home. It's actually because I move homes a lot. We've moved so much and and it's just simply hard to restart. So again, I loved it. It helped me when people say, you'll make friends, you have that type of personality. And that has driven me to be not like without hope, but I just think that there are women out there who don't have connections or they don't have a starting point. And I just feel so pained. I mean, if it's true that there are women who have lived in the same city that they were born in and they still feel lonely, I have to believe that if there are women like me that have moved as much as I have and they don't have a starting point, that how, how are they ever going to make friends? How are they ever going to combat this feeling of loneliness? And I commend, but I actually ache whenever I see women post on our Moms of Bellevue page. So I'm sure that there's Facebook pages for the city that you're living in. If you're currently a mom, you should just type moms of whatever city that you're in. It could be moms of New Hampshire or moms of whatever specific town you live in. And it actually is a great resource. It actually reminds me, I I joined the Facebook page of the local elementary school that's one block over from us because it's good to hear about what's happening in the community. But these moms of Bellevue Place, it's really a great spot to be able to share ideas about different places to take kids or what to do when this happens. And I do love it. I love those type of things. They can be a little toxic. You have to watch out. But one thing that is so tough is I see these women all the time, especially the city I live in. Seattle is a very transient city. It's a huge city. But these moms post on this page and it is so achy. They'll say, oh, I just moved here. I have, you know, this many kids. I have no friends. I just want a play date. Can someone please meet me at the park? And it's cool. People like I've seen one with like 60 comments of people being like, I'm going to meet here tomorrow. Who wants to join up? That's great. But I'm like, you're starting from such ground zero. And I just feel so blessed that in pretty much every city that I've lived in, I have a friend of a friend who lived there. I had some starting place to make me feel like I have a grounding, to make me feel like someone who knows a little bit of my history. Now, what's interesting is Seattle, the biggest city I've lived in, I feel like I have the least amount of connections, which is very interesting. In New Hampshire, and the city we lived in, the smallest city I've ever lived in, I had built so many connections and it was like monkeys in a barrel. And all of a sudden I was like, I have this network of people and this network of community. And I know that I'll have that here. I know that one day I will feel at home in Seattle, but you know, that day is not today. And I feel like, let me digress for a second. That is not the only reason people feel lonely. Like it's not just because the like lack of people around you, because I also think that there's some people who need a lot of friends like me. And there's some people who are more content with a smaller group of people, and that's equally just as good. I will say I never think it is a good idea to not have any friends. 
I'm just going to say that clearly. You have to have people in your life to speak truth, to question things, to uplift you, to be with you on those dark days, to celebrate you when you need celebrating. I don't know how you can get through life when you don't have community. You could be saying easier said than done, which by the way, pot calling the kettle black, I'm sitting here like, where the crap is my community? I want some community. But that's not the only reason people feel lonely. There are women who just don't feel comfortable in their own skin. There's people that have gone through trauma or a huge life change. There's women that are changing and they feel like the world around them isn't or vice versa. It feels like the world around them is changing and they're stagnant. But all I know, all I know to say right now, and I'm not speaking from this place of like huge wisdom, I just feel like I am speaking this as it is being revealed to me, but speak up. That's all I know to tell you because it's all I know to tell me is to speak up. It makes me think of one of the other podcasts I love listening to is Stuff You Should Know. It's a great podcast. I love it. (laughs) I've listened to it for a very long time, but they were doing a whole deep dive on staring. It's one of those cool podcasts where I feel like very small things they do deep dives on. So, So one episode they chose to do a deep dive on staring, literally like looking at someone. And they talked about all the different like reasons that staring is inappropriate or Um, unpolite, impolite, but they gave this scenario, and I think there was a scientific study, but really they just gave the scenario that, so think about if you're in the supermarket and you are grabbing a container of blueberries. By the way, do you all like hate the containers of blueberries? That lid is so prone to fly open. I feel like it's on a spring, even though it's just a plastic lid, they spring open quicker than anything else. And if you've ever been in a supermarket and dropped a carton of blueberries, then you know what I'm talking about. I've done it before. But this Stuff You Should Know episode was talking about that when someone drops a container of blueberries in the store and they keep their head down and they just silently pick them up, no one helps. It is not typical that someone would ask to help them. But the simple gesture of looking up and meeting eyes with someone, almost 100% of the time someone would ask them if they could help them. At bare minimum, just acknowledging, oh darn, that would even feel better than feeling like you're silently alone No one is there to help you picking up your blueberries. And I'm here to say, don't do that. Look up, ask for help. Gosh, what I would do, what I would naturally do is like laugh at myself. And I would hope that someone else would look at me and laugh with me. And you know, there's times, there's times when you definitely need to like mourn and be sad, but there's times when the best thing you can do is just laugh. It also makes you think, I'm reading this book right now called A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. We're reading it with um, this mom's group at church. And I will say, I don't love the title and I don't agree with every chapter, but she does have some amazing points that are worth pointing out. And um, she talks in this one chapter about that Satan doesn't want you to grow. So I'm talking about in this episode how Satan wants you to stay silent, but it goes hand in hand with growth. So Satan wants you to have a fixed mindset. Have y'all heard people talk about this? I feel like in business, they talk about like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And really the idea that doing hard things builds resilience. And she, of course, because it is a Christian author, she kind of brings it into like how asking questions strengthens your faith, which by the way, I could talk a whole nother 30 minutes on. And that's something I'm currently doing right now is asking a lot of questions about the things that I am putting my whole life on the line for my faith. But what I like in this book is she talks about that when life feels really hard, that we should acknowledge the hard. It's not gonna make it worse by acknowledging it. And I know that I am the best person to lie to myself. If I have a bad dream, I can turn over, tap Christopher and say, I've had a bad dream. And he'll say, okay. And then I will check it out of my mind and be like, I didn't have a bad dream. And I'll go right back to sleep. Now, I will say, as I've gotten 
older and as I've had more kids that going back to sleep part's a little more difficult. But, you know, I was driving on the road one time and I hit a cat. I killed the cat and I was very sad. It was really tough. And Christopher said, Anna, it could have been a plastic bag because he knows this line myself. And I was like, yeah, it was a plastic bag. Y'all, I almost stopped crying immediately because I was able to lie to myself that bad. Isn't that weird and horrible? I hope no like psychologist is listening to this and going like, oh, you got some deep things, girly. But maybe don't take that point. But the big point here is don't stay silent. You can do hard things. And sometimes those hard things is just speaking up. I'll end it with this, that I think hard things and staying silent go hand in hand with momentary stress. Um, there, There's people that have long-standing stress. Really a physical thing is there are people that have chronic pain that have to deal with something every day. And there's people that have had something happen to them or they've done something that they have to live with for the rest of their life. But when Christopher and I talk about momentary stress, we talk about these times in your life when you are under immense pressure, immense heat, horrible things. Because of those horribleness, you can't see past the moment you're in. Now, an easy, a palpable way to explain this is I'm in this sad, lonely time. I don't have many acquaintances here. I don't have many people that I can call my community, except for really my family. And this is a hard stage to be in. It's hard for me to see past this moment. But I also think about the time when, if you listen to my episode where I talked about miscarriage, I titled it like the worst story I'll ever tell. I talked about that when I was on my last leg of my flight home to New Hampshire, is when I was actively miscarrying and I had blood like pouring over the seat uh, onto the floor of the airplane. And um, the scene that I painted about in when I was in the bathroom. I mean, there's so many things about that episode that I won't ever probably be able to listen to again. And if you haven't listened to it, I would say with cautious ears, like maybe it's not for you, but if you haven't listened to it and you want to have some empathy for me, you could go back and listen to that. But that time in my life was momentary stress. And I know that sounds like I'm lightening the load of that moment. It's not. It was a horrible time in my life. And what I will say is I wish I could tell you that I was able to compartmentalize that moment. I wish I was able to actually lie to myself. Like I say, I can do, but no, I couldn't. In that moment, I thought I was going to die. But now I'm sitting here, however long later, recording this episode, and that moment is gone. It was momentary. It was a season. It was a time period and it's gone. But you know, Satan wants to debilitate you. He wants to keep that thread going through the rest of your life. He wants you to carry those burdens, but you don't have to. And the part of you not having to carry those burdens is speaking up. So I'm telling you right now, speak up. Tell your husband, tell your best friend, share all the things that are heavy on your heart. And by the way, share all the things that are good too. Let people rejoice with you. Just don't stay silent. I hope this resonates with you. I hope you've got something out of this and I will jump off this soapbox and get you to your outro so you can go on with your day. And there you have it. There is a bunch of thoughts from me, Anna Duffy. (laughs) I am just kind of like, whoa, 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 that was a lot. I don't know. I always feel a little kinky on these type of episodes of posting them because I don't want you to think I'm speaking from a high horse. Speaking from on top of a high horse? Being on top of a high horse when I say these things, whatever the saying is, I am not there. I am sitting alongside of you trying my best to not stay silent. It is so so easy to stay silent and is not good for your soul. It's not good for my soul. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. So with that in mind, I wanted to bring up one more kind of cool thing that I feel like I'm working through right now is I recorded this episode last week. I recorded it very quickly. I basically stream of conscious spoke all these words 
and I left middle of the week, more like Thursday, to go visit friends in Dallas and to attend the IF Gathering, which is hosted by a woman named Jenny Allen. If you don't know Jenny Allen, just go find her right now. I love her. I love her books. I love who she is. I love what she stands for. I love her podcast. Y'all would find a lot of just insights and coolness and she just brings it. And so I have had a dream of going to IF Gathering. I went to it locally, virtually, I guess you could say, last year with my friends in New Hampshire. And I always wanted to go. And my friend Rach was like, let's do it next year. And so she got the tickets. She coordinated the whole trip and we went. And it was so cool to be in Dallas, a city that I had lived before, getting to stay at the house of our best friends in Dallas. And then getting to have this weird, you know, like when you're at your wedding and you're like, it's weird that my high school friends are hanging out with my college friends or hanging out with my husband's family, like all of that weird world colliding thing. Like I was staring at all of my best friends from these different states and I was like, wow, that's kind of mind boggling. And I will say that it was harder than I thought. I know that's weird. I miss these girls. I love these girls. But seeing these girls reminds me of that I don't have these girls in Seattle. And I know Seattle's a way bigger city and there's women that can fulfill me in ways that these women in these other states did. But I am feeling like a little bit of the valley right now coming off of this really cool weekend. And isn't that what Satan wants? Isn't that what Satan wants me to be full of sadness as I come off this fiery weekend full of hearing the word and worship and these amazing speakers just speak such life into me. And I had many experiences where I felt like I was sitting there and I'm like, they are only talking to me. They're directly, everyone could leave and they, they are bringing it to me. I'm so, so in need of these words. That being said, really cool that I recorded this episode last week and I feel like that thread of not staying silent was through the whole conference. I was shocked sitting there and I was like, did I actually record that last week? Or is the, like, is there a glitch in the matrix that I am recording this this week? Like it makes no sense that I would perfectly talk through all of these things that I then would get reinforced and basically spoken back to me of like, girly, you're staying silent, which is funny to say because I have a podcast, literally all I do is talk. <laughs> but but I will just, I really want to just drive this point home that I'm with you and I am not speaking from a point of perfection. I am nowhere near it. I feel very heavy with my burdens of sin and sadness and depression and anxiety and loneliness and all these things. So so sorry to put all these negative words in your ear. I feel like I'm usually just a bubbly, happy person, but feeling the weight of all these things and hoping that you get some fruit out of today and hoping that I listen to it today with the same open ears. Love y'all so much. Thanks for listening. Check out the Instagram. Give me a follow. That would be awesome. And y'all just have the most wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.